All right, well, this is our uh, uh, County Commissioner's uh, Budget Work Session number one. And uh, this is the, the first meeting that we have with our commissioners and our various departments to transition from the County Administrator's Budget to the County Commissioner's Budget, which will be released uh, in early May to the public. So uh, first up, we have um, our friends from the Board of Education, Dr. Dr. Uh, Patricia Salins and uh, her team here, Sid Pinder, Jane Towers, and Carla Pullen. And um, in your binders here, uh, you can look at uh, the tab uh, listed as uh, DOE. And there's some information in there and a presentation that they have prepared. And it is up on the screen here as well. So I think they're going to review that with us and we can ask questions uh, during the discussion Great. and the presentation. Thanks, so go ahead and turn thank it you over. Thank you, Commissioners, for giving us this opportunity to come tonight and share our budget with you. Um, we do have a slide deck for you, and you can see I have an amazing team with me tonight because we um, all can ask questions and things, so feel free to interrupt anytime you have a specific question. So we'll move right along. Um, I don't know who's advancing the slides. Oh, I am. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know if you want me to do this. Actually, I think. Um, he, ha he has to pay attention tonight. To <laughs> might have to call in second string. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to. I think Bruce may have to advance the slides as you're ready to oh. go because it's it's on the right. Uh, uh, his clicker should be able to. Oh, okay, all right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let's try it. Yeah. See if it'll. Okay. Right. Perfect. Yay. Yeah. Thank Great. You. We have the Stress technology. Right. <laughs> so. Glad we got that all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward. Moving forward. Okay. So, commissioners, I know that you are well aware that we um, use blended resources to be able to provide services for our students and staff. Um, Part of that obviously comes from you all at 60.5%, and then we get some state aid at 38.2%. Um, we've been fortunate enough to have some other opportunities to add to those resources, uh, which are our SR3 funds, and this year we have focused those on Chromebooks for um, fifth through eighth graders um, and five English language learner teachers, and those needs came out of a needs assessment that uh, we did through the budget process. Um, especially those EL teachers also through our strategic planning. Um, that was a theme that continuously bubbled up to the surface is that we have more and more students who need those services. And I'm um, looking at a staffing plan just like we do for our students who are special needs for, we do a staffing just for special education. We're looking at a similar staffing plan of how do we meet the needs of those students. Um, in addition to that, right now we're in the final process of completing the Maryland Leeds grant. And in that grant, we currently have two guidance counselors and two social workers. Um, that is a two-year grant through the state of Maryland. Those are federal funds coming down. It's really pretty much like the state's ESSER funds that have pulled there and now they're trying to get those funds spent down. Um, so again, through our needs assessment and doing a strategic plan, uh, the guidance counselors and social workers, uh, those needs bubbled up to the surface. We heard those most often of what are the needs within the schools and that is those additional services for students. I'm sure um, you all understand what our students and staff have been through and certainly the mental well-being of the students is um, something that should be top priority and this would help to address those needs. Um, we also have proposed um, some district needs as well as it relates to, we kind of put this all in one cal category for your retirement costs, your FICA and your salary. Um, enhancements um, all into one pot. In addition to that, adding the um, National Board Certification, which is a mandate through the blueprint, and that has a price tag that while we do get reimbursed um, for some of those, we don't get reimbursed for the whole. So it's about 
thousand uh, dollars. We have 26, which indeed we um, pretty much are better than most of the districts as it relates to how many students we, I mean, how many teachers we actually have certified. So we have a much greater number than our than our peers, which is a great thing because those are, you know, being nationally board certified certainly um, helps to be an expert master teacher. So that price tag of $260,000 that is mandated by um, the blueprint, we get reimbursed about 110. So we have to make up the difference between that. So if you put all of those together, as a placeholder, we have the number there you see, 3.1 million. As it relates to healthcare increase, um, we're sitting at about 5%, which um, is actually, again, pretty decent. Kent County is about 4%, but then you look at Talbot County and Caroline County, they're at 10%. So you know, while it is still high, and we know every year we come back to it where it's high, um, I think at this point we're not going to get much better than that. That's something that we need to just kind of anticipate um, and we need to figure out ways that we can do it with other programs. But this year we're looking at 5%. Um, through the um, corporation that we work with, they recommended that we take uh, 1.7 million out of the reserve to be able to lower that cost so that it doesn't hit the employees. And so overall we're looking at $550,000 there. And then the additional um, supports, again, these priorities came out of the budget process and the strategic planning needs assessment, and that was those five EL teachers, um, two guidance counselors, the Maryland leads, the one maintenance position, which was food service, which we had trimmed um, several years ago and didn't put back in the budget, and then two PE and health teachers, those are unfunded mandates as well. They have increased um, the credit count for health at the state level. Um, we were at a half credit, so we need to go to a full credit for health, but you can't go to a full credit with health without going to a full credit for PE because you have to, you know, you would be lopsided on your, on your schedule. And so um, with that, we, would, we have to put in two additional PE teachers, um, and so we're going to have to fund that. That's an unfunded mandate. The next that we would needed to really hone in on is our leasing of copiers. And um, apparently in our needs assessment, we realized that many of the schools have copiers that are older, that their leases are, have come to an end, um, that they're not supported anymore, so we can't even get maintenance to come out and um, support them by fixing them. Um, in addition to that, their um, click count, what we call it, is really two, three, four times what a click count is now because they're so outdated. So um, not only are they not functioning well, but they also um, are costing us more money than if we were to switch to do a leasing for the copiers. So we've gone out. I think that bid just went out again. We had put it out. We had to pull it back. And it just went out again, um, trying to piggyback on different contracts and such. But it is it's certainly a large need. I think you'll hear that probably in the schools. You may have even heard that from staff members, that they're having problems with that. Yeah, at the meeting that we, Dick Smith and I sat in on your pre-budget meeting, that seemed to be the consistent message with all your principals at all the different schools is the copiers and the, and the uh, equipment that they use uh, is uh, outdated or can't be fixed or can't be serviced anymore because it's antiquated. Right. So this would, this would remedy that. And, um, and right now it would be just the 56. We obviously have more than that in the district, but some of them we have a current lease with them. And in breaking the lease, it would cost us more money. So it, it will be a phase-in type of thing over a few years to get us all on the same page of all leasing. The leasing has a lot of different advantages to it because we don't own it. We only keep it for a certain amount of time, and then we get the best and the brightest that comes behind it. So it's easier to maintain in the long run. 
the increase in tutoring funds, as we all know, we have um, tremendous gaps in our students right now as it relates to where they are pre-COVID, post-COVID. Um, we know that they missed quite a bit of instructional time. And so these tutoring funds help to, to target in with specific students who have gaps in their learning and that we can target and pay teachers additional funds um, to be able to support students before, during, and after school. And then you'll see $345,000, and this is for um, <clears throat> a, a varying things, materials of instruction, curriculum writing, training, conferences, and such. Um, a lot of these had been trimmed from the budget um, year after year after year, um, and then never put back in. And, and they're very valuable. You know, the curriculum writing, materials of instruction, the, their necessities, um, constant professional development for teachers to be able to stay up um, and be on top of the, the new curricular pieces that are out there. Um, the training comes in with conferences. You know, for example, AP training, which is advanced placement, um, those teachers have to be certified. They have to go over so many years. And when they get cut from the budget, then we have teachers who aren't certified to teach certain things. Project Lead the Way is the same way. There's a lot of different um, you know, requirements that are on some of our teachers, especially at the high school level as it relates to having certain trainings to be able to teach certain content. Um, and then the last is the textbook allocation. And again, this was more of a realignment. We've come before and, and talked several times about that was in a capital budget, which really needed to be pushed over to our operating budget in category 15. Um, so I think the commissioners, you were really supporting that, um, but you were kind of supporting it in, in a different fashion. So we have to slide that into our operating budget. And so that's why you'll see that here. So overall, you'll see that this total category at about a million dollars. So other supports, um, the painting inspections and insurances, again, these are things that um, really have been kind of consistently cut. When you, when you have a very tight budget, you say, where can we cut? You, you don't want to cut people, right? And they're our largest part of our budget. So then you start trimming the fat around the edge and say, well, we'll just delay that painting till next year or you know those types of things. And I think we've kind of done that so often that unfortunately we're not in a great position right now. We kind of have to play a little bit of catch up um, then the leasing to own two school buses, instead of outright buying them, we find that this is a more advantageous way to save some money to spread those costs out, essentially, um, to lease to own those, as well as the maintenance vehicles. Um, with the maintenance vehicles, you know, not only is it advantageous because this is more um, of, you can get a, a newer vehicle that you don't have to have as much maintenance on and when you keep a vehicle for ever and ever and ever it, it tends to cost you more money in the long run so these vehicles get a lot of wear and tear on them um, from day to day and then a placeholder for the compensation tra uh, for transportation and those contracted services and then two bus drivers and um, substitute additional funds for substitute drivers bus drivers have been very hard to find um, Apparently, again, um, two drivers were cut out about two years ago um, for budgetary purposes, and we've found that we have some routes that are really, um, students are on the bus for more than an hour, and to me, that's not acceptable. Um, I think we can do better for students, and um, so those we've actually put in two substitute drivers this year just to get us through the end of the year to change those routes up, so this would just make those more permanent. Um, and they're not new. Again, those are routes that were cut that were added in. And these are special needs routes where, you know, we have some significant uh, 
issues on the bus that like I said they're on there for over an hour so it's really something we need to take a look at to cut down that I mean I, I wouldn't expect anybody to be on a bus you know for over an hour yeah especially <clears> when <throat> we need some students students so that before we move the next slide would be moving into capital and non-recurring um, so the first part of that is basically our whole budget squished down into just a few short slides and so um, I don't know if anybody has any questions or comments before we move into the capital non-recurring. Keep on rolling. All right, sounds good. So um, capital projects, and I, I think that um, again we've seen we've seen these um, and <coughs> shared these with you. So these nothing on here should be a surprise to you, but the security vestibule um, at um, Bayside Elementary School, um, track resurfacing at Ken Island High School. The big ticket item there is the new central office, and you'll notice that um, that timeline has changed slightly, and so we've shifted that to kind of more of a three-year project as it relates to the monies that are hitting your books. And then um, the roof replacement at uh, Queen Anne's County High School. And um, again, that, in, in, if you would like, Carla can certainly speak to that cost of that, and um, because we know that the cost has increased. And so, um, and that the state has also increased their allocation, but how does that impact? You can share how that impacts with the commissioners. Yes, so we know that pricing continues to increase for roofing. So we're looking at that almost once a month. We have also seen that with the state of Maryland, they are now including some design costs and fees as part of their split. We're not sure exactly how that's going to look yet but we know that that's coming down the pike. So we would anticipate a little bit more of a 50-50 split than we've seen in the past because design fees have always been responsible by local. Um, so we're hoping that we'll get a little bit of relief there. But what, again, in looking at the costs and them continuing to rise, um, this project originally was about a $5 million project in the last two years. It's gone up to a little bit over eight. There's some parapet wall modification and or repair that needs to be made as part of this which is local only funding and that accounts for about a nine million dollar project with current costs which is insane <laughs> okay any other questions on and that one does have state allocation yes. approval yes so it appears that we will be getting full funding of that what was requested was about 4.2 from the state. Okay, I'll keep moving along. Headed into FY24, you'll see the fire alarm replacement for um, Kennard Elementary School and then track resurfacing for Queen Anne County High School. You'll see another part of that central office and then um, the planning and design piece of Centerville Middle School. FY25, you'll see um, the building renovations begin for Centerville Middle School and then the fire alarm replacement for Queen Anne's County High School. <coughs> and then um, finally in FY26, you'll see um, finishing up that project for Centerville Middle School. Um, and that's really all that's on that for that year. Questions on any of the other capital projects? All right, 
So that brings us to non-reoccurring projects, and we listed this out. Um, and basically, just to remind everybody that the non-recurring projects really are projects that are kind of a one-time um, money allocation. Um, so uh, you'll see that the Queen Anne's County High School paving and milling, someone might say, well, isn't that just a one, I mean, isn't that a reoccurring, not a reoccurring, but something that we would have to pay for all the time. But this particular is different because we're gonna be um, redesigning that entrance, the same exact entrance, not adding an entrance, but just redesigning. So there's a little building there um, that's kind of in the middle. I know if you can picture it, everybody can picture it. Yeah, <laughs> it's been there forever and I don't know what exactly, I don't think they use it for anything, but kind of redesigning um, that parking lot, making it a little bit safer for our kids, our new drivers that are coming in and out. And so that's why it hopefully will be approved in that non-recurring. Um, and then, as you well know too, that um, we are, um, through the blueprint for Maryland schools, we are really focusing in on our littles, as I call them, our pre-K students, pre-K three and four, trying to build those programs. Um, and you know, the, the state uses the term universal, but, um, but anyways, so trying to build those programs and obviously in, in, in growing those programs, you know, they, they have their own furniture because they're very little and they have <coughs> lots of stations and, and lots of things that go around with that and their equipment has to be different as well. So their equipment isn't as large as it is for, um, you know, second graders through fifth graders basically. Um, so you'll see that there's a series of um, implementation of furniture and playground equipment over the course of two years to help us to expand our pre-K offerings within the community. Now, this is um, uh, a one-time um, ask of the state. They do have to approve this, and I do have a letter because this um, is due to the state on um, March 31st. So that deadline is right on our heels. Um, uh, if, if you approve and, and uh, we can forward that up through with signatures, then we can, um, they pretty much will turn that around fairly quickly in the approval process and then we would know for our planning stages um yeah so may uh, may, first. may 1st so there you go may 1st we would know whether these projects would be approved and we can move forward for the upcoming year and that's about everything we have in a nutshell there was a um report from the state knocking some of the schools a bit about uh, parking lots, I think, is that was one of those the Queen Anne's County High School parking lot. Do you remember that report? Mm -hmm. Is that something that and that's dinged on and it wasn't really fair? But that's something that uh, over the course of the past two or three years, the county commission has been very generous with the capital alignment of you know county capital, and we've been re milling and repaving um, Churchill parking lot, um, Sullivanville Elementary School parking lots, items that we've never been able to do before and this is just a really a continuation of that moving forward and just trying to really kind of we're not recreating the, the front entrance but really having turning lanes that you know are signal or line properly because for about 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon every day you got five six hundred cars going through there and I mean it's it's hectic and the sheriff's department helps out as much as they can but you know if we really had it properly uh, lined and signage and a couple of widening a little bit I think we'd be in a better situation safety wise plus you're seeing a trend where there's more parents picking kids up than in the past yes we are so is this something though that we instead of going through the NRC product 
uh, side, just keep it in DPW this, and, and look at DPW just handling in-house for this project? This this would be county only. This There's no funding coming from the IAC. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So instead of even putting it on your NRP to go to the state and have to worry about approvals, shouldn't we just kind of look at it in our budgetary for our side to get it done? I mean, Well, we, we talk a little bit about whether it should be a capital project or a non-reoccurring. And I mean, I think from our standpoint, it could, it could go probably either way. It could be a capital right. project. That way, if it does go across two fiscal years you don't have to worry about doing budget amendments i think you know i mean that uh, makes more sense budgetarily yes. probably easier on you guys too isn't it to be able to stress the project out like a typical mm -hmm. capital project Is that it's fine by me i'm fine with it i mean was was the scope of the overall job to repave everything at queen Anne's high school i would say a lot a lot, meant, left, yeah, right? <laughs> a lot meant that uh, we had asked for it. You would be able to do um, the left side. So the student parking, the student area. parking lot, the, the teacher median. parking lot, and then, you know, come back the next year and do the other side of the parking lot in the rear of it. So um, based off the numbers that we looked at with the help of, you know, DPW and all, I think you could get that pretty much going on with that. And then that would tie into the, um, the roofing project, which would be a two-year kind of split up into two summers, um, and we could be able to coordinate with that moving around with the blacktop, so we didn't have the heavy equipment on certain sections and moving that around. So I think it would align pretty well with that. So that would be then more of a capital. You could board of ed capital or. It would either be board of ed capital or just a county capital project. How do we treat the others when we did the other school uh, parking lots? We it took was them board in under of ed ours. capital. Huh? It was board of board ed capital, capital in, so. in previous. So if we made it a board of ed capital, wouldn't you still have to apply for the non-recurring yeah. approval? Yes. Because if not, and we fund it, then it ends up being an operating. That's true. Yeah. Going in. Mm -hmm. Well, then we do it as a county capital. I think that would work, right? But yes, we're just open do it to any assistance in the county that's available. Yeah, because the state's not giving us anything for it. So. No. Mm -hmm. not <laughs> they don't even need to be involved. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, on the uh, universal pre-K, so in, within Kerwin, there is a dynamic to look at using existing um, child care facilities in the county, the bricks and mortar, so that we don't have to expand our elementary schools. Obviously, if you have an influx of three and four year olds, you could push your numbers to the point of having to do mandatory expansions on the elementary. So there is, and money involved in it too, to go to some of our existing pre-Ks that provide services for three and four year olds. Now, they would become MSDE certified. Am I right on that? I'm pretty sure there's a thing that yes. we can look at to, so, and I'm not talking about just specifically the furniture, but looking ahead and knowing that that's coming yeah. to maybe start greasing the wheels with them to know what those costs are going to be. Because they're obviously going to have costs, but I, I'm pretty sure there's funding within the Kerwin plan to do a lot of that too. We do. We have a blueprint committee, and then off of that, we have several subcommittees, and one is just for the expansion of pre-K. They have a three-year plan um, to expand out, um, looking at the four-year-old programs first and looking at your schools of highest need and looking at our schools of 
where we have space availability. So taking programs like at um, Mattapique Elementary School where they're a half day program, making them a full day program. Um, and so over the course of three years, we've mapped that out. Mm -hmm. And with our last school being right here at Centerville, because they have the least amount of space and what would that look like? And it gives us some lead time to start getting the numbers together, looking at what the capacity will be. Do we put portables out there? Do we move kids from, you know, I mean, there's so many, we need to just iron all that out. So it gives us some lead time that gives us the most lead time over that three years to be able to make that happen. But I mean, are you going to, are you going to reach out to the community partners we already have? Like I said, because my fear is, you know, if you take these existing preschool programs that are now catering to kids up to four, in some instances, I guess, aftercare to five and six, they're only catering to babies to two, mm -hmm. they're not going to survive. And there's still going to be that need, you know, it, it, they're just not going to have the quantity of kids to keep their doors open. And we're going to wind up losing those uh, that we fought so hard through COVID to keep open and we'd wind up losing them anyway, so. Yeah, and we've, we've tried to get a lot of them involved in right now. We haven't really had, and this is not just unique to here, this is unique across the state, that um, the, the amount of time and effort that it takes them to go through the accreditation process um, for the amount of money that they get reimbursed to them isn't really worth it okay. right now. So we're, unfortunately, you have to put a little skin in the game for them to be losing how many kids they have to our programs for them to say, hey, we, we, we change our mind. We, we really think that we want to partner with you. How can we do that to be able to fill out the application? Because it's, it's, to go through accreditation is actually extremely difficult. Well, I get that, but it, and we have we have the means to do it as a school district, you know. But not every daycare facility does have the means to do it, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking though, but out of business is even a worse scenario. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, so right now, we haven't really had anybody say, "Oh yes, you know, we'll partner right now." I think it, it's going to come. I do. I think so. How can we help you get? How can we help you outreach to those businesses and get them to understand what's coming? Because some of them just may not even think it's real, and you know what I mean. So right. they may I mean, not understand I, the ramifications coming. I feel like our staff has um, articulated that well and continues to do that. And um, some of them have participated in professional development to understand our curriculum. Curriculum, We have uh, Frog Street at that level, so to help them to understand what we do with our curriculum so that they can help to do that in their institution, I mean, with their um, daycare practices. Um, but again, we haven't had anybody say, yes, I know that um, I was told that one did go through accreditation before, like years ago, and they're like, we will never do that again type of thing. So we have to kind of change that mindset and know that we can support them, that we're here to support them when we have the skill set to do so. I think it's just going to take time. I, I just think that the blueprint is still very, very new. Um, you know, the, the ink hasn't dried yet, as they say, and I think we're still learning a lot about it. And um, give us a little bit of time to get it under our belts and then I think we can articulate it better and create some of those partnerships in the district. Um, so it's, it's definitely on our radar. We're definitely, um, you know, been addressing it, but we haven't had any takers yet. And on the shore, I don't know that they've had anybody to be honest with you. Um, I, I don't always get to check in with over the bridge, but on the shore, we are very tight and talk to each other almost daily. And so um, I'm just thinking from <clears throat> with being involved in Mako and all, and, and this is going to be a statewide problem. I, I, I agree with you. Is there something I could take back to Mako, Mako, <coughs> maybe making an initiative to push to get the state to realize the issue that's going to be created and uh, let them close the gap yeah. financially? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying put it on the counties, but I'm saying it's going to be a problem. We can sit here and, you know, today we're going to talk at three years and now we're going to go, man, look how that all blew up, you know, right. and, and it's going to happen because that's well, what's going to happen. I mean, <coughs> at the M&S conference, we did have um, conversations with Dr. Kerwin and who was 
honestly and genuinely surprised that they just didn't think it would be a problem. They just felt like these daycare centers and they, that they would, you know. <laughs> Magically step up. <laughs> yeah, they did. They just felt like, hey, we're going to be giving them money. Why wouldn't they come and do this? But um, so he was genuinely surprised. That was um, later in the fall. And I think that they are looking at it and um, they have it on their radar for sure that what they assume to be true is nowhere near to going to be true. And what are they going to do to help us to change that? Okay. So very good points, valid points, though. Is the accreditation process, is that just curriculum? Is it also the, the, the actual everything, physical facility, space and facilities, everything? It, yes, it's everything. <clears throat> and yeah. it's extremely challenging. Yeah, so um, some of them might not be able to within their existing walls, right? That could be a problem for them. Very challenging. Uh, Churchill just, I believe, was the last one maybe to get certified, and Graysonville will be, will be moving forward with Graysonville next year as we're moving to add a Judy Center there. <coughs> so that'll be our Judy Center number three for us. So, so you've already done Churchill Elementary? Yes. And so how many pre-K programs yet there? So there's the morning and the afternoon? So you have two a day? How many do you have now? They have full they day. They have full day. They have full day. So their kids are there already full day. Churchill and Sudlersville elementary school and how and how many classrooms of the pre-k do you have they have i think it's it's one at churchill okay and i think two but they also have a three-year-old program yes. there that we're going to be converting into a four-year program because we had the need for the four-year-old program there we had to turn students away so instead of turning students away we're going to capture two. them next year so, so we're changing that next year will be two yes two right so next year it'll be two because you got to remember, prior it was always income driven. Same right. thing with pre-K. So now it's wider. Everybody's it's, it's universal. The word's universal. It's, it's not, and it's not exactly universal. And that's part of the misconception that the blueprint put that terminology in there, and and that's something that we have to do a better job of educating now and understanding. There's still a threshold there, mm -hmm. and where there's not a threshold, then we have to to put those costs in place. So while it went from 180 to 300 and going to 600, um, which Adds, you know, allows for more students to come in. There's still going to be people that don't meet that 600 um, percent threshold. Well, I think they were shooting for 90 percent, so that's probably going to be close, right? I would think. Probably. I mean, in some of our schools, we're going to probably be almost nearly 100 percent. Right. But then you go to other schools where you won't because of obviously the population we serve is um, not close to that socioeconomic, right. um, you know, line in the same right. per se. But yeah, they they've definitely done a better job, as I said, 180 percent to 300 percent to now 600% is significant for sure, but it's definitely not 100%. And that's why um, I, I don't know how the term universal got in there, knowing that it was still gonna be on a, a, a kind of a sliding scale for lack of better I words. think it's the intent was to be universal. And probably. Then the money, and the money ran out. Probably. Honestly, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, had probably. Pennies um, over to this bucket, so. Right, so I think there'll always be, if that's gonna stay and remain the same, there'll always be a need out there for or there'll always be a population of students who um, will not take the, up that opportunity because they're either at home with their parent full time or they're in a, you know, a very small daycare setting um, by parent choice. Yeah. I just want to point out a couple capital items here that um, that were a little bit different than what was presented in your your piece um, that we included in the administrator's budget. One is is we, we funded the administration building over at Vincent. Now, based on the schedule we saw, we felt that you probably wouldn't need the full seven million dollars in fiscal 23. So, we're trying to make sure we put those funds, you know, designate those in the years that they will be spent. So we were looking at maybe three million 
in fiscal 23 and then the balance in fiscal 24 as part of our five-year capital plan. Yes. I think I think the schedule I saw was like getting that job in May of, of about this time next year. Correct. Okay. Correct. So see, when we're funding like our July one budget struck and we're funding the capital, what what is your what is your typical turnaround time on a project that you're actually you know putting shovels in the ground or actually starting to price? I mean, because obviously with the supply chain issues, the cost escalations and things like that, if you're waiting a year. There's no number we're going to put on at July 1st of this year that's yeah, going to be right. even close to uh, working a year from now, at, at, and that, at least where the economy is now. That, that is the hardest part because we only have, you know, six to eight weeks in the summertime to do work to get it done. Generally speaking, we're not breaking ground or doing work until that following June. So we're, we're always like about a year behind. Um, you know, lagging that. So that is a risk that we take. And I mean, Carla's knocking down the doors every day trying to get numbers, you know, aligned with that. But um, I, personally, I, I'm skeptical of the numbers coming down, you know, over time. I don't really see that happening. But, it, but like I said, by the time July 1st rolls around and we get the money allocated, we do a purchase order and go through that process. Um, of getting the different bids. Like I said, it, 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 it's the following summer that the work is actually done. But what I'm seeing from my side out there right now is there's not a contractor in Maryland that's going to sign a proposal today with you and hold that cost. They're giving you 30 days, some cases 10 days, and then they're giving you 30-day material escalation. So if you're waiting 12 months, you know, that's 12 escalations you're going to suffer through, at least on the material side. Labor's not as volatile, but material right now is very volatile. Yep. So I guess my question is, Carla, have you talked to MSA? Because the 50-50 projects are coming from MSA. Do, are they going to, through some of these capital projects, are they going to start building in escalators that we're able to? So if the county's got to go 50-50, that's great. But we shouldn't be. And right now, we're going to bear the burden of the entire escalation because they're not going to come back and give us anything. Are they talking about being able to come they to the are. table? They are. So we probably won't see any escalators until next year's CIP requests, if that happens at all. The conversations that I've had with the IAC, because we do have several roofing bids, we have two that were bid last year that came in double the budget. We're going to rebid them in the next month to see where they come in. If they are again over budget, the state is talking about potentially giving us the balance. That goes for Ken Island High School too, because they would really like to see us be able to do that entire project. So I think they're looking at ways that they can help to fund this. Um, the way the MSA projects and the typical CIP projects are split, nobody's really doing it yet. Everybody's just getting geared up and planning, so we're not sure how that's going to look. Um, we would anticipate our first project where we have some of that MSA money would probably be Centerville Middle School, but it's not going to be enough to fund that whole project. We'll be looking at doing some of the traditional CIP along with that. Um, but we hope to see those escalators go into place. Everyone is in the same boat right, right. now. <clears throat> yeah, no, but I guess, why can't you do it a year in advance? Why can't you go, like, say, Queen Anne's County roof, work on that project to get it to a bid number by spring of next year so when you come in here by July, you'd have the money and you start the job? That's what we hope to be doing in the future because the state will be now paying for some of our design costs. We hope that we can go to them with a CIP request for design only funding. We can design it in a year and then we go back for the funding and it's there and available to us on July 1.
So we think there'll be a little bit less of a lapse in the future. It's just been difficult because planning only to begin that a year ahead of time, the state asks for so much information between feasibility studies, between the cost estimates, between everything that we need an architectural firm to be doing, we have to plan that at least a year in advance. And we got to pay for that up front. Well, yes. under the traditional plan. Under the traditional and, and I'm sorry, MSA is Maryland Stadium Authority for those at home that don't at least start throwing acronyms and not everybody knows. But yeah, so under MSA though, Jim, they are covering that on the front end that we're not backfilling it like, you know, in the past. So hopefully that does work. I agree. That's that's what they've got to do with, with this because then you're going to cut at least three months off of the escalator. Well, probably six months off your escalator costs. Quick. And then involving the Ken Island High School roof, that's out to bid or going to be out to bid? Yes, we are. We submitted the documents to IEC today to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. The plan is to put them out to bid in the next few weeks as soon as we get comments back from the state to make sure we don't have any changes. And then we hope to be able to take it to the Board of Ed before the end of May. How old is that roof? 24, 20. Still young. Was it 30 or 40 year shingles they put on there? 20. You know? 20 years? Wow. 20 year shingles and we're planning to go back with metal instead of, sh that's the hope. We want to see how the bids come in, but we think that the metal is going to be, it's going to give a much greater longevity, especially being so close to the water and just the different, the elements have really been difficult at that school and at the two Mattapique schools as well that have shingles. Now that was budgeted last year at the county level, right? So um, is there going to be, you know, that came in higher is there going to be additional state funding and will there we, be we hope so for the ken island roof what the iac what what our uh, representatives there are saying is because we're telling them we think that this is coming in double the budget based on what's happening and they're saying let us know because we have plans to fund it we heard the same thing last year for the two roofing projects that came over bid and it didn't materialize so I'm only putting as much faith in that as they are trying. I don't know if it will happen, but we're having those discussions. All right. Well, your ask is about uh, on the operating side, six point six million, and the, and the county administrator's budget is three hundred forty thousand dollars. What's the board of ed? What what what, what is your actions if we stay where we are? What's going to happen? You might as well put them cards out there. He's asking. I'm like, I, he lost me. Sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> you guys, you're asking, and the, and, the, and the operating is, if you add them all up, it's about 6.6 .6 million. And right now, in the budget, we have an additional $340,000 for you. So we're six million light. So I'm asking you, what is the what are you going to do if, if we stick to where we are and, you, and you're short $6.6 million? What's, what's the picture going to look like in the, in the school system? I don't know because I, I, I'm thinking that we're getting $400,000. Okay. What what's, what's your total operating ask? What is your, right now, what is your total According operating According to this, you I have think those pages up, it's like just six. Just adding me. these three pages that you have, oh, right? right. 4.6 and the your one total million. 60 what? <laughs> right, 60, $60,889. 62 million? 62 million, I'm sorry. We do 62,000, no, you're no, going to run out quick. I know, no, no. Um, so uh, 62,889,000 and some change, but I can get you those exact numbers then. It's basically it, uh, around 1.2 above maintenance of effort for this year is what we're looking for. 
right now I'm really lost. Somebody. So what do the if you add up these three pages right. here, what does that equal? Is that the state and the county request? Like what it, are it's, three? it's a state aid. It's a it's a county, and then eliminating some um, things that weren't needed in the budget. So okay. and then including some of the leads grants because we thought it was important to include those positions. So this is just a presentation. It's um, encompassing the whole funding that we have. So out of that 6.6, .6, how much is the state funding? Is that, is that what you're saying? Is that the state's Three. funding? Three million? 3.6 this year. They went up another half million this year in their funding. See. From the, uh, yeah, under Kerwin. It's due to rise through the length of Kerwin at 3.6 this year to 30 at 11 million. So over the next seven years, there's going to be an additional 7.4 from the state. From the state. That is correct. That's February. <clears throat> so for us mathematical wizards, are we saying there's not going to be an issue? I don't know. Plus 1.2. Yes. This is last year's version. But this one, the state should say the same, right? The three six should be the same. I don't think that changed for Kerwin, for the state share. No, right. The, yeah, so the, state the state's 40 the million, okay. 465,000. Yeah. So the state is 40 million. Is, I think the question is how much above MOE are you looking for? 1.2. 1.2, right. 1.2. But that's at 62889. That's with it the may, current well, calculation of MOE, which is being challenged. Right. So. Uh, we put a place earlier in on what we believe that it will be. Okay. Um, but with the current calculation, uh, it, we are getting 339, and we our, our total ask is to fill in to 1.5. So what I have sh shared with the board is, you know, um, wherever it comes in. So if the new calculation comes in at $700,000, then we would ask the difference between $700,000 and 1.5. Our goal is to get to the 1.5, which is what was um, in the budget for last year. Yeah, if you look, um, I think, commissioners, if you look on back on page seven, there's an enhancement sheet for all the departments. Well, I, guess I, I, I guess I'm a little confused on why we had the four point and the, the nine hundred thousand, the one million, seven thousand. That was to give you a picture of our whole budget together. You guys are a sliver up, not you're more than you're a lot more than a sliver. Sorry, okay. well, but that I mean, was to give you an idea of the whole budget put together, so that you could see where we're seeking funding for. So we're not just coming to the commissioners to ask for money. We're trying to use every available resource right. no, that we have. That's fine. No, that's and so we we're putting a lot of time and effort into that leads grant, and we're very hopeful that we will get that grant, and that would would eliminate us coming to the commissioners to ask for additional funds. Um, so I think that was just a, just a try to give you a full picture of the budget and not just what we're asking of, of you all. So, so Jim, go to your last page of our, uh, under your Board of Ed tab. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. So, so just keep in mind, the Kerwin number is that FY23 number. So realize that eventually you have to get to that end game by FY30. So it's a pay me now, pay me later on it. Just keep that in mind. Because you're going to well, get to that 64, number. 123. Correct. Assuming no changes in Kerwin. Excuse me? Assuming no changes in Kerwin. Right. No, yeah, but anything that changes now is going to go up, not down. <laughs> Let's face it, it ain't <laughs> right, going down. Right. <sighs> 
And page seven in the commissioner's binders also, um, as Todd had mentioned, the um, Board of Ed enhancement list, that shows the 1.525 that they are requesting. And in the county administrator's budget, there's 339,000, which brings you to MOE as it sits right now. Right. That's exactly oh, right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank I mean, you for clarifying that. So county administrator's budget has it 62,898. Kerwin's mm -hmm. got us at 642. Got it. Mm -hmm. So we have to go with Kerwin. Well, we got to wait for the. Or is it not a law yet? <laughs> Kerwin 3.0 is not passed, no. Okay. To, to answer your this question. This is the 3.0 one. That's, that, if if 3.0 goes through the way they're doing now, we're going to get the escalator at 2.5. That's where it's right now. So, yeah. Which will bring and we should know that by April 11th. I mean, as the drop dead date. So it's not that far away. Technically, we technically the number depending that's brought forward is the Kerwin number as of today, based on last year's Kerwin version, right? That's but right. if the, if they come back with the hold harmless again and push it out and decide that they're going to hold the 2.5 percent escalator one more year, then we're back to this number. And when do we find that out? Well, we will know absolutely by April 11th because the session will be closed. Um, but we hope to get some clarification before that, at least have a good inkling. I mean, we're, we're stabbing in the dark, honestly, because, you know, people are, um, there's some controversy as it relates to calculations for MOE right now. So there's a lot of um, pushback to say that the calculations are not accurate. Um, they have a new person at MSDE who's doing the calculations. And so, um, you know, the district CFOs have very much um, been a voice for the superintendents that the calculations are not accurate and that they are the placeholder that we put in, which was the 1.5. And um, so a little bit of time we have to wait to, to figure that out. But in the meantime, we used it as a placeholder saying to the commissioners that if we aren't funded at that 1.5, that would be our ask of over MOE this year to make us whole, that we can't do what we need to do um, as it relates to um, well, you saw it, textbooks and, and you know some of the leasing that we have and staff enhancements and things like that. We can't do what we need to do for our schools. Well, what are, what we, are we doing? I, I think this is the third year in a row there's been a reduction in students. Yes. And th over those three years, is it over 900? No. No, we're at 380. No, no, no. That's for this year. Oh. I'm talking about to add the three years together. <clears throat> I mean, because I think last year was over 300 also. And I'm just saying, if it's if it's 900, that's 50, I think, right? out of 7,400 7, students. Yeah, that's that's, that's, no, that's, no, no, that's, no, that's no. a rolling it's, average. It's, it's a, rolling, a rolling, rolling average. It's not even an average. It's 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 a total of 380 students Less, yeah. for each year, all put together. That's the the total. But you keep adding from the old years to the new year. Well, it's, it's not it, even that because there's there really is a 2019 number right now. The 2019, it's it's the rolling. That's answer. a third. That's average greater. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. They're using. There's I guess that's where the calculations start to get convoluted. But for us, it, it's, we're in the weeds right now. It's nothing we're going to get until they come out. Well, we're between 62,899 and 64,100. That's honestly that's where we're at. This is old law. This could be new law. I'm not worried about the law. I'm worried about how many kids are actually in, in, the, well, the, in the, the system. Student, the student population has gone down. It was like 7,500. Now it's 7,100. And this right. year it's 7,102. So the, those numbers, the reduction is the number of students less than right. the, uh, the population previous year. So it's not like a, you add those up. It's just the total population. But the point, but, you were making a point. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Which was? Which was. Yeah. If, if, Three years ago, we have 300 students less than four years ago, and two years ago, we have 300 less than three years ago. It's still amount. Uh, uh, your your population is declining. 
And I'm just trying to find out what that number is over three years if, if the decline is, is reached to a number. Because sooner or later, you, you, you're losing that many kids. What are you doing with staff to balance that out to help you with the, with the budget? Right. Well, this, this past year, we lost about 47 students. So from September 30th of this school year since September 30th of 2021 school year, or 20, yeah, 2020, 2020, because this September was 2021. So there we lost 47 students, 47 students across 14 schools. Okay. So you can't really look at it as a staffing reduction. Well, it would be nice if they came packaged and they were all third graders or something. Right, and we say, right. okay, so we, you know, we can reduce the third grades. grade teacher or whatever. Yeah, you're, you're taking one kid out of class here. Yeah, it's, it's really there. spread across all grade bands. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's, you know, while it, it significantly impacts our budget as it relates to our state allocation per pupil, it's not as easy as just kind of plopping off and it's different than removing a program or um, yeah, reducing a, a classroom teacher because it, you know, it's all targeted during one. But I will tell you that we do look at staffing across the board and we are realigning staffing and where we are overstaffed, we're shifting it to where we need to be staffed. And um, so, so that's part of the budget process and uh, the principals have all been engaged in that and all the supervisors as well. Um, so it's something that we take serious that we don't just because it's been there forever we don't just say oh they're great it's been like that forever we really have to look at the overall needs of the district and we have made some shifts because of that every year so, so every, every year. year you guys have moved people around we do especially this year we had a lot of um, that we had to address at the pre-k k one two level um, shifting some teachers around to, to you know where some were overstaffed we had classroom sizes that were very small 12 to 15 um, and we had, you know, a classroom of kindergartners where you have 24, 25, 26, that doesn't work. I mean, that's just too many students. So we had to shift some. And right before school, we shifted a couple of teachers, um, which isn't the most popular way to do things with your staff, but it's what's best for kids. And so that's why we're here. We need to focus on what's best for students. Do you, have you lost any teachers because they don't want to make that move? No, we've had, we did have some, some close calls, I felt like, um, but, uh, you know, putting in a lot of supports to make sure that the teacher um, felt supported and was able to get kind of reestablished in their new environment, and um, that has been successful, so. Yeah. So, real quick, Jim, to your point, and it's one that, believe me, it's the one that I beat on all the time, is you turn these lights on, you turn the air conditioning on, it costs the same. Whether you got 10 kids in a classroom or 20 kids in a classroom, it doesn't matter. You drop five kids mm -hmm. out of 14 schools, at 60 kids. So you could get to that 47 number pretty quickly. But that's really irrelevant when you look at the system as a whole, right? The problem we have is when we get down to 10 kids in the classroom, we're still running the same number of buses. We just got less kids on them, but same gas, same everything. So the costs, our costs aren't changing. The only place we're going to start to be able to save costs is if we look at operational costs in the schools themselves which is lighting, HVAC, and all that. That's where we're going to see considerable savings on the operational side. The teacher side, like I said, whether you have 10 kids in a class, you still need one teacher. If you've got 20 kids in a class, you still need one teacher. So I, I just don't, that's what I'm saying. That's the conundrum we get in. It's what Kent County went through. That's why Kent County closed two schools, because they got down to where they had five kids in a classroom. Well, that doesn't qualify having a class at that point. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. The declining numbers is concerning because you're still going to have to spend the same amount of money because you've got to turn the lights on, the heat on, and everything else, and put the teachers in the classroom so the number of students are available. So it, it can be concerning. Uh, it's very concerning. Losing, it's, not, it's, losing, it's not simple math. It, it's not. It's, it's right, because you've still got to have a classroom with kids in it. And what's that number? 
We did just get our projections. We get projections every year from Maryland. They come through Carla's office, and um, we did just get our projections. It goes out to 2031, and um, we're very flat, to be honest with you. We don't look like, you know, in their prediction, they're not suggesting that we're going to recuperate from this pandemic and losing this group of students that we've lost. Um, and so that's very concerning. So we have two years to make that up. Some of them are going to come back next year. We're hopeful, but I mean, I'm, I'm, our I'm September 30th count would. of um, this upcoming year, 22, and then our September 30th of 23, those two years will let us know whether we're going to recover. And if we don't, then we're going to hit kind of what we consider to be like a cliff because we have all these supports in place for the next two years between ESSER funds and LEADS funds and Kerwin, and, and then we're not going to have it. It's you know, where they've done this three-year rolling average and they've kind of assisted us and helped us and um, limp along, they're not going to have that anymore. Well, the whole harm is going to go away. It's so going to go it. away. Yeah. So that's when we're going to hit a cliff and we're going to so have to cut significant staff. I mean, when it comes to that, we're going to have to cut staffing because that's the really the only thing left we have to cut. What, what, uh, what was, just out of curiosity, if, um, if you don't want to share, you don't have to, what was the predict projection they gave you, the most recent projection for student population by 30? Do you have it? Yeah, I do. Hold on one second. Because Kerwin's projection for oh, that was 78 13. So. I think it puts us like in 2030 up to about 7,300. So that's 500 less than Kerwin uh, is based on. So, you know, if you do 500 times 9,587 per student, that's roughly what 4.5 million would be a $4.5 million reduction in the budget based on. Yeah. The existing form. We looked at it. It was a total of, I think it was 5.6 million uh, with it sitting at 300 and fluctuates. And just like, yeah. um, we're um, not immune to declining enrollment across the state. They're seeing the declining enrollment in the school systems, all but one county, I think. So um, I know that under student services, they're looking to reach out to the families and make contact with them and to get them engaged and in, in back into the school system too, as mm. well. So. And and we do have a virtual model um, for students who haven't been able to really transition back or we're out on homeschooling and um, um, want an opportunity to be kind of a part of the school district because they can participate in extracurricular activities where if they're in homeschooling, they can't do that. So um, we had about 40 students who have participated this school year using that model. We're fighting very desperately to keep that for those students, even though we've got a lot of pushback from um, the legislation on that. So. Um, you know, kind of stay tuned on that one to see whether we can continue with that. But that, you know, that could potentially have been 40 more students that were no longer a part of the school district that we were able to still continue to provide services for and meet their needs in a different format, which, I mean, I'm very thankful that we had that opportunity. Is, it, is that, that limited to the number of students you, you can do, or is that just the number that... No, well, we did get so many funded seats through ESMEC, through a grant that came through the state of Maryland. So this was an ESMEC um, initiative, which is the Eastern Shore um, Consortium. Um, so seven out of the nine districts participated, and we got a $1 million uh, like starter grant to do all the research. So we took a year to research it before we actually implemented it. and. Um, so it was so much money per seat, and we got so many seats per allocated to each district based on your size. Um, but then you could participate in as many seats as you wanted as long as you paid for them. So for me, it was advantageous for us to open it up to any student who needed it because the reimbursement through the state allocation was more than what 
the program costs for us. So I was like, let's not limit the program to, our, to just 10 seats I think we had. I can't remember exactly. So who's doing yeah. the instruction? So the instruction is through, um, it's a contracted service through okay. APEX. It's a third party? It's a, okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. mm. And they're certified Maryland teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they work very closely with our counselors to ensure that um, you know, if a student needs extra help or check-ins and things like that, that they're getting that. Um, so I finally, I was able to, to jump online. I had to use my hotspot. Uh, so 3031, um, we're at 7,370. And uh, next year they're projecting 7,140. So essentially it's, you know, 7,140, 7,200, 7,180. It's just staying flat, 7,150. Um, so pretty much very, very flat. Um, not getting back up to where we were, which I believe was just over 7,500. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to share these, this report with you. Um, I had initially asked Carly, I said, you know, how accurate is the state with this, you know, because they sometimes aren't, you know, all of their things aren't always accurate, but within 5%, you said, so typically you within 5%. Yeah. So, is forecasting. You know. That was the current original yeah. number. Okay, that's the original the number. Well, like any other so. forecast, it's a forecast. Yeah, we True. didn't. So who anticipated, you know, right a now. pandemic okay. to, you know, see the numbers go down? Before that, they were continuing on a, on a rise on a curve. So we'll just we'll have to wait and see. But right now, you know, the numbers do appear to be somewhat flat and stable over the next um, yeah. ten year period. Do you think with COVID babies we have job security? At least this part of the house does. Because <laughs> we see a little, we're gonna, I'm like, in three years, there's just going to be like a little explosion there, I think, in our PK. So. Well, I think, honestly, the reality is the politics of the pandemic, it's just going to see how long the hangover is. Yeah. That's what it's going to yeah. boil down to. Yeah. In terms Very of student populations. But we are off now, <laughs> considerably. So you're basically saying right now your ask is 1.5 over MOE? No, let, minus the 339. Oh, 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 1.2. 
which it'll just come away from theirs where they're showing on here for that number. Yes, yes. It's in the overall five-year capital. That's yeah. in the bottom line. It's yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'll just share. I remember when textbooks was three hundred thousand in your budget. <laughs> Didn't take long to get there. Well, Four years, five years? Yeah, and interestingly enough, it, it probably should be higher than what it is. Textbooks aren't like they used to be. They come with all kinds of extra contracted services that provide us with opportunities to use electronics to access um, different various resources. So where you still have the textbook physically, that's now 100 to 50 to $200 a textbook. It's like college books anymore. You also have all these contracted services that come along with them. So. Um, I'm surprised it's not a little higher than that. I think we were being very, we were trying to get it back in in a reasonable sense and not necessarily reflecting exactly what the need is there, but a good faith effort to try to build on that within the operating budget. Okay. Anything else? Let me. We're good. Thank, thank you. you. Well, thank, thank you for the conversation and the opportunity. Right. Now, this, this needs a signature. Should I leave this with Todd? That's the um, non-recurring? Yeah. Okay. Unless, I guess, unless it's a mood point if we're going to go the other way. So what do we decide? I don't know. If it's we're, we're doing the track. Par parking lot. No, the parking lot. And out of Nope. So then you don't even need that. I mean, if you guys made that decision, then, then it's not necessary to sign that. Because <laughs> that was the only project we had on there. Okay. For this, you know. For this year, yeah. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, uh, our next guest is Janet Salazar, our librarian for the Queen Anne's County Library System. Come on up, she has a presentation as well, and uh, welcome. I think uh, Bruce can cue that up. And in your books under the QAC Library tab, that presentation is there as well. How's the public enjoying the renovated space so far? I'm sorry? How's the public enjoying the renovated space so far? They seem far? to really be enjoying it, so it's... Very nice uh, event down there, the ribbon cutting this past week. We got page 43. great uh, headline in the Bay Times, front page, so just nice pictures. Yeah. It was a very nice picture. Very nice. Perfect day, too. I wish it was like that today outside. <laughs> it was, we got lucky. Yeah, we, got, we were very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. Because <laughs> two days later, it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, 19 degrees, right? This is 54. Okay. Um, let's go. Take it away. All right. All right. Jam. Making sure you were ready for me. We're all set. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I looked over. Oh, that's your presentation, Todd, and I appreciate you. When we sat down and talked about our budget together, um, I talked about how um, when a library branch has an expansion or a renovation or even just a new branch opens in a library system, everything goes up by like 20%. So it was nice to see that I had just about 20% in Todd's budget. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, a little bit of background for us. Um, FY21, we were closed an awful lot and had reduced hours, but in FY22, we've been pretty much open. Um, it took people a really long time to realize that we were still open at Kent Island, even though we were under construction, so those numbers are not quite where I would like them to be. Um, but we have almost circulated as much 
in FY22 in the first eight months as we did the entire year in FY21. So people are coming back to the library and that's nice to see. Um, our visitors are coming back as well. We've already exceeded total visits this year than we did last year. We're almost, we've exceeded our programs as well. So everything is, is making its way back. So um, that's good and that's what we wanted to see. Um, during this last year, we have introduced some new services. Story Walks in partnership with the Parks and Recs. Um, you can see those at Long Point Park, Sildersville Park, and Route 18 Park. And basically what it is, is as you walk along a trail, it's about a mile, um, there is a story that you can stop and read as you walk. So you read a page, you walk a little bit more, and you read another page, and by the time you get through the entire thing, you have read um, a picture book. They are picture books, and they have been very well received, and we hmm. will continue to do those. Um, in our partnership with the health department, we have distributed 17,821 COVID home test kits and 26,200 K95 masks, and that was an endeavor to say the least. Um, when we first started, we would get like 100 and we would be done in 30 minutes. I mean, people oh, yeah. were just wiping us out. So um, it's nice to see that we finally got um, numbers that we can support. Our hotspot checkouts are still um, very popular as well. They circulate for about two weeks at a time. People can request holds on them if they want to, but um, usually they're in high demand and so nobody really gets more than one time with them. Um, so far this year, they've circulated 258 times. Last year, they circulated a total of 291, so we're already above, um, or on track to be above what we did last year. And we've also started checking out fishing poles. So if you don't have a fishing pole and you'd like to try a fishing, you can get a fishing pole at the library. Stop. It, no, in partnership with the DNR. Are you kidding us, me? Yeah, the, there's 12 poles at each branch, and they have circulated 12 times, which I was just nice to hear that people are using them. So have, at any point, have all of them been checked out? I have never seen them all checked okay. out. So you're doing okay with the number of fishing poles you have? I think so. Okay. If it gets to the point where we need more, we, will, we will come back. Okay. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see that. Um, I think it just worms? underscores. Well, you can't get worms at the library, but we do have all the tackle that you might need. So. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, so it's just... It just underscores for me everything that the library is to the community, which is more than just books. Um, and it's, it's lots of different ways to think of the library. And in this next year, we're hoping to introduce um, streaming service devices like a Roku or something that you could plug into your TV because not everyone has access to that in their own house. So that is one of the T-shirts to say, Queen Anne's County Library, free library, more than just books. <laughs> yeah. Let me interrupt with one question. On your total circulation, could you break down what it is that's, you know, break down in the circulation, what's circulating, that's not just books, that's... It is, well, we have, um, we have books and we have DVDs oh, and we have um, e-books and... Can you break that down by number at all? I can get it to you, I don't have it with me tonight, but I okay. can get it to you, but um, no. between digital and physical items, it's the majority of it is physical items and probably about a third of it is digital does, if that helps any you but said, it's does that digital does that count like someone's downloading a book with mm -hmm. the hoopla app or something like that, that yeah that that's a that. that would be a digital checkout but it would be interesting to know what that breakout was i will get it for you then yeah and so what we're asking for 
um, for all these lovely new things that we're doing and the fact that we expect an increase, um, especially at Kent Island, is um, a 2% COLA for our staff. Um, this was based on the fact that federal employees got a 2.2% COLA last year, or in, I think actually in January. Um, so if it's possible, I would ask for the same thing for my own staff there. They work very hard. Same thing with the 3% merit increase for those who merit it. Um, they do work extremely hard, and the Kent Island branch staff has just been awesome through this whole thing with all the construction going on. So um, we do in anticipate an increase in staff development, especially if we get our new positions. Our new positions that we are asking for are in support of um, our mobile library, which is coming at the end of June. Um, we already have one position funded for that, but in anything mobile that when you're out and about in the community, you should have two people. So this would be our second position for that. Where is the mobile library going to serve? Is it throughout the county or specific? Um, like we wrote the grant areas. so that it would serve the North County. That, would our, that was our focus of the grant, right. but it is meant to serve the entire county. So it would probably spend a lot of time in North County, but there wouldn't be anything stopping it from going to Graysonville or anywhere else in the county as well. But um, when we wrote the grant, we were really targeting our migrant community and the, the people in North County who really can't like make it well, all the way to Snow. proximity to one of the, one mm -hmm. of the physical branches, that makes yeah. sense. And I believe the library, mobile library is being fabricated now down at Tech Ops. Yeah, it is. Believe, it right? is at Tech right. Ops, and yeah. we just chose the colors for the interior today. So it's uh, we're getting close to having it being done. So that's, that's great. and they Ops they think it will be done end really? of June, beginning of July. So we can have it for our summer reading program and have it at the fair so everybody can see it. Kudos to them. A vehicle wrap on it of Commissioner Dunal reading a book. Yeah. So it's driving yeah. around the community. <laughs> Not just books. Right. Fishing pole. Right? Fishing pole. And fishing pole. There you go. <laughs> we are also asking um, for a full-time public services associate and another part-time one at the Kent Island branch to help with the anticipated increase in programming and usage that we expect to have happen there. Both branches have asked for additional hours for current staff to help with covering like um, the evening hours, um, page hours. So these are, when we came back into the library, we just noticed that um, we weren't having the same kind of coverage we normally had around like dinner time, like when our staff is at lunch, everyone else is at lunch and they're coming to the library. So just having enough people to cover all of that is really what those hours are for, to cover meal breaks. Um, and to help with the increase that we're having um, on Monday and Wednesday mornings at the Centerville branch. Just something that's new that happened when we came all back from COVID. And of course, we're anticipating a 3% increase in our health insurance based on what happened in FY22. And the budget requirements for all up. Yes, sir. Yeah, one question. On your total attendance number, is that individuals or is it visited by I have to go back. Oh, total attendance? Yeah, that would be people who actually attended a program. Some of it was digital, some, some of it was virtual. They, they um, attended online and some of it was physical. So it's the total number of people. But I mean, one person attending five times should be counted five or one. It would, yes. There, we don't actually take too many names, so it would be hard to figure right, out so that, you know, Amy Jones. Okay, good. No, I'm just 
trying to understand. Okay, yes. So it could be one person who attended 20 programs and we're counting that as 20 people. I understand what you're saying, so. Yeah. So our budget requirements for um, the salary and the insurance is about 95,000. The new positions are about 105 and additional hours would be about 23,000 in our request. Um, we're also asking for support for our mobile library. Um, even though the mobile library itself was paid for mostly with grant funds from ARPA funds, um, we also got a grant from Queen Anne's County Economic Development and our friends has contributed money for the vehicle itself. Um, we are gonna need operating costs for the mobile library. Um, and all of these are estimates based on what other mobile libraries in the state are doing for their gas and insurance and things of that nature. And so we're asking for about $770 for um, $7,750 for materials, about $4,000 for circulating technology, and that's for the service itself because the actual um, devices, if they're hotspots, we get for free. We only have to pay for them if they get lost and we have to replace them. But we do have to pay for the service and our operation requirements would be about $6,000. So that is the majority of what we're asking for in is really operating. Um, we just expect increases for the larger building for Kent Island and a few more staff. So um, additional payroll expenses, water and sewer, general and maintenance supplies, building your grounds, all of those things will go up a little bit. Um, so we're asking for an additional 21,000 basically for that. Um, Kent Island did ask for additional hotspots just for their branch to circulate, so we're put in money for that as well. And Collection HQ is a software that we would like to have to help us analyze our collection. It would keep track of things like where there are holes in our collection. And since one of our strategic plan goals is to really take a look at our entire collection and see where we are with diversity and equity and inclusion, this would help with that. Um, we can do it ourselves, but it's really labor intensive and this would, this would be able to help us sort a little bit better. But it is not an, it's not an inexpensive thing to have, so it'd be nice to have, but it's not, it's not inexpensive. And those were my basic requirements for my general operations of what we currently have. Then there's this really nice thing we would like to have, which is to add a branch in the North County, if that is all possible. Um, there has been interest from the town of Settlersville to have the library kind of come in and help take over that um, branch that they have at the Settlersville, Settlersville Memorial Library. Um, there is interest on our board side. I just have not had a chance to really talk to the Settlersville Memorial Library board yet again about it. I have talked to them previously in the past and they were not interested. But um, if there is money available, I will certainly go and ask them. But if there is no money for me to do this, then there's no point in me to do this because we don't have it in our operating budget. So to fully open that branch at 60 hours a week, like our current branches operate, it's about $650,000 to have um, that branch open the whole time. But if you wanted to think about other options, um, we could 
open it only 36 hours a week, which would be 344,000, or only 20 hours a week, which reached 251. The biggest thing we hear from people up in Seldersville in that area is that that branch is just not open enough to really be of use to the students who are up there and who need branch, who need a library five, six days a week and not just three or four days. Well, I think they're really open, open Did three they give days you an a week. So. How many hours are open right now on average? Did I'm they sorry? give you an indication of how many hours they're open on average? Um, according to the website, they're open 12 hours a week. So opening 20 hours a week would be a good start. 36 would be better, but 20 hours would at least get them in the, af in the afternoon after school and Saturday. How is the, the, their current facilities as far as if they were open more and that would peak interest and more people go in there, can they accommodate the volume of additional people going in there? Or are we thinking it's still going to be around the same amount of people and there are just more access opportunity? Well, it would be more access to the actual materials. I honestly don't know how well it would handle the more people. I think they have about six computers in there, so we would really have to assess the air, the whole um, floor plan and see how it's working and see how we could maybe make it better if so it's not working. does this cost include, um, yeah, we're adding, you know, additional facilities, fishing bowls, or, you know, adding more <laughs> books, adding more computers, yeah. 3D printers, the things that the, that the other libraries have to make it more of a resource than just books, is that is, is that, that part that, of this? About? I would have to really assess the space and see what could be what could be done. What could be done before I can even answer that question? So, but yeah, those are things we would have to look at to see. I know they have like rooms here and there that we could put a maker space in if we had to, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's something else would have to move. So, and I don't know the last time that collection was weeded or any of that. So I don't know how current <coughs> the collection is or any of those things, but. That is something we would start out with. How do they get their collections? Just through donations or data? I'm assuming they have some kind of budget for it. I'm pretty sure they ask the commissioners for money every year, so I'm sure that's probably what their budget goes to is their collection. Yeah, another, another advantage we get, Bob, pulling this back over into the county's library system is it would make us eligible for state, state, funding. state funding and state grants, which we receive you know, a significant allocation for so, the Kent so Island So like what we did with Kent Island where we got right. a, lot, a lot of state money put into that, we can't get that money right now for Southernsville because it's not part of the That's system. That's true. Right. right. It's huge. And it would also open them up for the statewide delivery system and the Eastern Shores delivery system. And just in Eastern Shore, we have access to $225,000 worth of subscription databases and another 350000 in streaming resources. So all of that would be available to the people up there as well. So, well, I mean, But they could get the streaming resources now, though, right, by getting a library card. If they have our library card, yeah. Right, they could still do that. But this would entitle them, if there was a book they want that's not there, they could put in the request and it brought and it would from another library, there. which they don't currently have that. That is sort of a, a big yeah. deal. So that, in a nutshell, is Just a my quick very question. quick presentation. Someone had asked this. Uh, do we know how many people use that library up there? I do not. I would have to get that do information get that from them. To, is, sure. I imagine they could probably provide that with us, for us. I think John Walman got it one time. Uh, okay. When we were going down this road before, he had gotten the numbers for us. Yeah, I think we, we can get those. But there are some organizational um, things we have to do to make this come to fruition if the commissioners want to go ahead and you know, fund this and then have the library system, you know, 
bring under the county umbrella the Sellersville branch. So we can certainly work towards those over the next week or so and have some more conversations with the Sellersville Library Board and, and, uh, and the town of Sellersville commissioners. And then they would also have the resource of the Friends of Queen Anne's County Library raising funds for them, which they did Certainly. an amazing job no. yeah. for the yeah. canal yeah. expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Great work down there. For they raised almost as much as my wife has incurred in late fees on books in the gotcha. library. So gotcha. it was really impressive. Is that a coincidence <laughs> or do you think that's <laughs> I don't have any more questions. I'm good. Wilson, all right. Any, I will any take other? you a breakdown of those numbers, so. Okay, thank you thank very you. much. Thank very you. Very well done. Appreciate it. Yeah. Super. That was quick. Thank you. The Board of Ed was in here so long, I was getting worried. So. <laughs> They're asking for a couple more dollars than you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. They do ask for more. Thanks, Janet. All right. All right, commissioners, ready to keep, keep on going? Or do you need a, Let's go. Need a break? You good? Keep, well, keep you rolling. by yourself? With me? Is there something wrong with that? Why <laughs> <laughs> You better brought some backup. Does he need backup? Please. Jim Moran is on a roll. <laughs> Did <laughs> Warren? Okay. Did you not forget you? But we see a lot of smiling faces when you come in. This is, um, I know I sent it to you, Emo. Okay. We have a You're coming in after the library, dude. You're not looking good. <laughs> Guys, always take great care of me. I appreciate that. Well, all good things must come to an end, you know. <laughs> I realize that. I realize that. <laughs> all great things uh, must come to an end. Uh, 54. 54. 54. Wake up. He, he had his headphones on. He was rocking out to something. He, he, was, he wasn't listening to us. He's not even broadcasting this. He hasn't even pressed play yet. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. All right, commissioners. This is our uh, Department of Emergency Services. We have Director Haas here. We have the uh, the book here uh, under the DES tab. And I think Nicole's going to kind of run through this. And, and opening up with an increase. Scott can answer any questions or make any initial comments or we can just roll through that's a dig in dress them as they come right? okay all right um so we start on page 54 um, for emergency services and the first page we just have a summary of the des revenue um, that's in the general fund and you will see that it increased by about five hundred eighty thousand, which a lot of that was grant revenue in communications which is offset with expense as well um, in the next page, we just have a summary of the grant fund, um, the DES grants that we account for in the separate grants fund. So it stayed fairly consistent with last year at um, 237000 Now we move to page 56, which is the expenses um, by division. And you will see it went from FY22 at $11 million up to 12.4, which is an increase of $1.4 million. Um, included in this are the county administrator funded enhancements of 1117 So those are included um, in the information that we're providing here. Then we go through on page 57, we have animal control, the DES animal control division, which was an increase of 40,000, um, mostly in salaries and wages and also in benefits. 
Then we move over to DES admin. Um, and the increase here that you'll see on page 58 is 714,000. The majority of that is the estimate that we put in for LEOPS, for the LEOPS enhancement um, of 610,000. That would be for the EMTs and the paramedics? That's for the EMS division, it's not EMS for the admin. Only, not, not for the whole department, just yeah, for the just EMS. EMS, the not paramedics? Paramedics. No, that's part of the paramedics. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that group, yeah. Scott's whole division. Okay. Um, and then when we go to page 59, which is communications, um, this increased by 718,000, but we also, this also includes some costs that were in the support services division, which was split, and some of those went to IT, some of it stayed in DES, but it's moved under communications. Um, it, and you also see at the top, this is where the additional grant revenue is showing, the 433,000. And the expense that relates to that is down under other charges, under account 8530911 communication expense. Um, so the increase there that you see in expense is offset by the increased revenue at the top as well. And then in, there's several other accounts here that increased due to splitting out the support services. Um, under, uh, down at the bottom, the maintenance agreements increased and also repairs to equipment. That was because of splitting out that division as well. Um, and then the next page is the, just the total for that division. Um, and then we have, Page 61 and 62 goes over um, the emergency medical services. And there was also some cost from support services that was included here as well. Uh, repairs for equipment had an increase because of support services and also maintenance agreements. Um, Page 63, there's not really a change here. This is for fire marshal. You will see that it decreased, um, and Brittany and I talked about this, and it really had to do with the part-time employees and how they're accounted for in the budget software. Um, so that's what the decrease here is resulting from. And then page 64, we have special operations, um, which the increase here was mainly the result of the salaries and wages and also the benefits. Um, page 68 just shows the division that was split out in FY23. So we wanted to present the costs that were the FY21 actual and also the FY22 budget, just so that you would have them for your comparison. Okay, and then we get into page 66, goes, starts with the enhancements, and then we move over to capital. Um, do you want me to go through the enhancements, or do you want Scott to talk about them? Why don't you go through them, and then if we have any questions, Scott can address them. Okay, so in communications, we had two positions, um, the communication systems tech at total compensation of 94,000, and also the PSD2 at 74,000. Um, the communication systems tech was not funded in the county administrator's budget, but the second position was. So the PSD was funded in yours? Mm 
And the communication systems tech, what is, what is that role, Scott? It's basically a, a radio technician and a person would work directly under our communications technician that we have now. We've got one person that basically oversees the whole system and they're spread pretty thin. We're trying to get that person an assistant. What is a PSD2? PSD2 is a dispatcher. dispatcher. So if you remember in last year's budget, uh, we requested four, one for each shift and we ended up getting funding for three so this is the one shift that's short we're trying to make all the shifts even so there's one shift that was missing a person from last year's budget that we're trying to get back in this year's budget do you have four of them that work at one time how does that work so basically right now we've got five on one shift and six on three shifts really that rotate yes wow Our phones don't ring that much. I would gladly have you come over and spend a day with us. Wow. <laughs> I mean, but what is it? What do you need to have? I guess what I'm asking is, what's if one of them's sick? One of them's got a going to get married. How does how does that work with your? So, very good question. Uh, on a normal day, we're lucky to get off the ground with five on shift, with the exception of the five that's on the one shift. Right. Uh, our very minimum minimum that we'd like to get away with I don't want to say get away with but the the minimum that we'll do a day is three Correct. Okay. Uh, and that that's really pushing us to our limit but these help that's what I'm saying but going five six 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 this is built in that you you know somebody's sick somebody has vacation whatever yes you, you can cover it without overtime correct okay correct and they're on constant rotations and they're constantly switching shifts mm -hmm. Scott, the calls we get, or the reports we get from Scott, they're strictly EMS, right? They're not counting fire calls, or is that all calls when he sends them? That is strictly EMS. That's just our division, and it's isolated to our division. Gotcha. Okay. It doesn't include communications, and it does not include fire service. Do we have any uh, turnover in the last four, five, six months in this group? Yes, we have. Uh, we currently have one position open that we're advertising for that we haven't been able to fill. Uh, we recently filled three additional positions, so we're only short one right now. Uh, but it's getting very, very difficult for us to find trained people. So we're basically where we were in a scenario where we were able to bring in trained people and it would only take us a couple months to get them up to speed. We're bringing people in at ground zero and have to train them from ground zero. So it's a lot more difficult now. What's the cost of training from ground zero? We're basically looking to get somebody from point A to B and cleared to function by themselves on a consistent basis, you're probably looking at a good 12 months to get them fully operational. Um, so you're looking at a 12 month salary plus somebody supervising that person on a constant basis while they're getting trained. So it's a $70,000 training because it used to be 40. It, it would be easily in the 70 range. In, in probably the first six months, uh, which we've also struggled with because of COVID, the training has not been as available as it has been in the past. So it's, we're struggling to get the certification classes that they need also. Just one additional pitch for the dispatchers. If you notice across the street that the courthouse's parking has been slim, they have been training like crazy for the new CAD system. And if we lose one of these people right now, we've just spent a huge amount of money to get them trained for the new CAD system. 
each one of them has probably had about 90 to 120 hours of training. How would we Just lose them? If they decide to go to another dispatch center, oh, well, I mean, that's, change professions. But, but we, can, we can take them from other counties. I mean, but, but I what, guess why we, we why, lose them to other counties, but we can get some from other counties. Why aren't we? Well, right? That, that's not necessarily true. And again, we're taking people in at ground zero. There is a huge shortage in all the jurisdictions over dispatch. And so why aren't we signing, having them sign a contract? If we're going to train them, we should be able to at least get a minimum of, you know, to return on that investment or a payment. Uh, I just think that, you know, if, if somebody's going to come here and train and then they're going to leave you when the training's done, that was their intention to begin with. So to me, you know, if you put them under contract, say, look, as long as you work 12 months, nothing, but it's prorated. I, I don't know. I just think that that's, I think that would put a damper to that and save us some money possibly. To put a damper on it for 12 months. Well, what? Well, it's 24. Because I, I agree with Jim. I mean, that's what you do out in the private world. If you're going to pay good money to get somebody trained, you're having them sign at least a 24-month contract to stay on. Or to get your pay investment back. back out of it. Yeah. I mean, you've you got to have something. they got to put skin in the game. The world ain't free. So. Well, we changed the system. I mean, because they, they know what they're getting paid when they come in to take the job, right? Right. Yes. And then you're training them, and they know what the pay is going to be. So if, if they're already coming out of the gate looking to move somewhere. That was what they were doing when they walked in the right. door. Right. Right. Just food for thought. Okay. I'm happy to address that with our HR Page department. 68. 68? Yes. Right. Um, so... Coming over from page 67 were the two positions, and then we had a few position change requests, which we didn't add an enhancement for, um, and it was just really part of the career ladder. Um, so those would just, any cost for those would just be assumed in the regular budget that is funded. And then the 911 communications expense, that's the grant that we talked about. Um, and basically, in the past, these expenses were paid by the state, and now we're just receiving grant funds to cover them. So we do see an additional expense for that and the offsetting grant revenue in the communications division. Okay, and then we get to page 70. Um, well, do we have an estimate, maybe Scott has, I don't know, do we have an estimate on what with the increased 911 fees, what that's actually generating now um, in total? Also. So and we went just a comparison. What was it, and what is it now with the, the new one? Do you know? So we were right around two fifty right. per year, two hundred fifty thousand. Right. So the actual for the twenty to twenty one was five hundred forty. We're still on track to do about the same this year. So really, just double it. More yeah, but the the hidden part, if you look at the additional. So we went from, from a, an adopted 500,000 to the 945,000. We can also apply for all kinds of grants within a 911 system. So that's where that increase comes from. And what we were doing in the past were submitting our bills directly to the 911 board and they were paying it direct. And uh, Nicole in the finance office uh, felt it would be better that we incorporate that into our budget so it shows the money that we're spending and the money that we're receiving. So that's why there's a huge increase, but we get uh, right around a million dollars from the 911 board per year. 
That, that really wasn't even an option. I mean, the auditors require that. So if the state's paying something on your behalf, you still have to show the grant revenue and the expense. So that's why we're changing that. So what we're gonna do this upcoming year is we're gonna pay for it through county funding and then submit for reimbursement is what our plan is. So what was the total before? You say we're in a million now. What was it roughly before? Before they we before they changed the everything yeah, yeah. and before the commission, it was about two hundred fifty thousand a year. Is what we were. So it's almost four times as much total. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's going up significantly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's continuing to, to increase. Now most of that money is designated to go back into the nine one one system operational side. Correct? Does that mean it's, was that the? No, we can use it? the money for staffing. We can use it for anything that deals with the phone system. It, like, won't, it won't cover the radio system, but it will cover anything that right. deals with the phone system. You. Like the communication systems technician? It won't cover for that, unfortunately. That's radio. That's radio. That's radio, and he doesn't answer the phones, or she. <laughs> so it, it's got to be tied directly to the phone system. Okay. Good try, Phil. Good try. Trust me, we've tried everything we can. All right, Scott, I don't doubt that about you. Think anybody works the system better than you do? If if I can get a dime somewhere, we're getting it. Yeah. Um, so we're on page seventy, and these are the the four EMTs and four paramedics that are being requested for the new station um, in the south southern part of the county, which the in the county administrator's budget we showed those that being funded at a half year. Um, and also the last line, the logistics coordinator, that's a part-time to full-time position, um, which we did fund that as well <coughs> at me. a half year. And then the next page <coughs> goes over the new positions and also the overtime and holiday overtime, um, which I believe is also for the new station. Is that correct? Yeah. When you say okay. new station, you're talking about 200. Yes. Okay. So those are also funded in the county administrator's budget um, for a half year as well. So all of the employee costs associated with that were funded at a half year. Scott, do you have any idea, because it sounds like the bill to got the uh, reimbursements bumped up Medicare, Medicaid, and all that stuff for ambulance, you know, uh, on-site medical care. It's gonna, got, it got legs again, apparently, and has a shot at going through. How much is that going to affect us revenue-wise? It's probably going to have pretty significant, right, I would think? It, it's going to be significant. So there, the, the there was... Be covered a lot of stuff, mental health, everything got thrown into that, not just ambulance service now. Yes, and that's an excellent question, and I don't have the exact figures of what that's going to do to us, but I can give you a figure that we actually applied for supplement for this upcoming year, which will roll into every year from this. Uh, Nicole helped us quite a bit with it because they needed a lot of information from our finance office. We're expecting an $800,000 increase on our revenue on the EMS side, which isn't reflected in the budget because it was very last minute and the budget was already submitted when we applied for the package. Uh, we've got a very good chance of it getting approved and we, we have an expectation of making about 800000 on that increase, plus there's going to be an additional increase right. if, if the bill's passed in Annapolis. Okay. The, the biggest difference between what we do today and what they do, what, what we're doing if the bill's passed, is we'll be able to bill for every service run instead right. of just what we transport and load right. 
loaded transports. I mean, looking at the numbers, you're at about yep. 50% that you're not getting anything on. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> okay. And then that was the end of the, what we had for operating. Um, and the rest of the information is on the capital budget. So there's a summary on page 72, um, which shows FY23 and then also all of the out years. So the request that we had from emergency services for FY23 was almost 895000 So everything was funded in the county administrator's budget except uh, $303,000 for an ambulance. Um, but everything else was included in the county administrator's budget. That's all we had other than the details for each capital project, which is included. Um, and we can go through if there's any questions. Any questions on the capital side? Yes, no. I don't have any. Like, what happened to the ambulance? Well, we decided I thought they were, weren't we going at a clip of 500,000 for those in the previous budgets or no? They're about 350, 400. Well, we got one for the ARPA funds that we were using for the. Uh, that's what it was. We got That's what it was. Okay. I think it was really a timing issue, right? That we didn't think that it would really come through in the year. So it yeah. ended because up. Because of the being able to get them, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Took forever to get the last one. <laughs> that's right. It's, the it's pandemic was over when it arrived. Right. It is included. It's in, in 24. It's in right. 24. It, it's in 24 again, just right. not 23. Yeah, we pushed that a year. I mean, the, the issue is we probably don't need it until next fiscal year, but the reality is it may take <clears throat> two years to get it. <laughs> two years to get it, but that's, you know, we're all in that same boat. All the other departments are in that same boat. I know Kathy's had buses on order for a couple of years now, too. It's, but hopefully things will start to improve with, uh, with vehicles um, soon. The answer to the question will be fine. I'm just saying? We'll be fine. Very good. That's all we had for emergency services, unless there's any other questions. I'm good. We're good? good. All right. I'm lovely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> uh, See, he I didn't need backup, Jim. He did, he did a fine job. I'll definitely pass on from staff. Thank you for the support over the last year and many years. Uh, it's been pretty challenging over the last year. And we couldn't have done it without your support. So thank you very much and thank you for the time tonight. We appreciate you coming in Thanks, tonight. Scott. Thank you, Scott. Good to see you as always. All right, we have one last section here, commissioners, for the sheriff. And, and we can run through that. Is he he's AWOL? <laughs> Unable to make it today. But you can just transfer all his funds over to you. That's, that's what happened. You, you showed <laughs> up. You showed right. up. That's right. We'll I'm let sure him know. Absence is consent. You probably saw that. <laughs> right. So, uh, Cole, you want to run us through the sure. sheriff's? Um, so, on page wait, eight. Wait, I'm sorry. Nobody from the sheriff's department is going to be here? No. Um, that is correct. Okay. Unable to attend this. They season, don't have so. a lot of it. They don't have a lot we, we can um, have. Uh, what was their reason why they couldn't There's be here? There's some scheduled conflicts. He's yeah. having a surgery on his face. Surgery on his face. Yeah, he's having a facelift. The face looks fine. Yeah. Where's Major Borden? Yeah. 
Yeah, where's his command? We, we can certainly staff? have the representative yeah, or the sheriff come to a future session if you prefer, or we can run. There wasn't a lot of yeah, we can additions. go through and go through. Uh, we'll make all the decisions right now. We'll be done. Flat. Any change? I mean, is is what's it being proposed here in in Todd's budget? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. It's all funded. Okay. His, all right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the there was two, only two enhancements, no capital. The two major enhancements were tasers for the deputies and then the rental for a storage unit behind the sheriff's office for right. all his equipment. So that'll probably end up being a half year funding as well because it hasn't been constructed. I, I'm okay with the taser enhancement if I can have one. Okay. You're probably the last one they're going to give a taser. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand before you can actually have one, you have to be, be tased. I'm okay that's right. That's right. We can arrange for you to be tased. After a couple of margaritas, they got, you can hit me three times as you want. <laughs> Hold on a second. Wait. Wait. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You want to go through? Okay. So. Um, Don't guys go through it. Any other? No, I think we're good. We're good. That's the only two things we had. Yeah, that's sure. the only two things we had. Yeah. We, we've, we've reviewed. If there's any question anybody has, we can bring the sheriff back for that one. I think. Unless, of course, you've practiced for many a days, so you want to do it anyway. Yeah, we don't want to. No, that's okay. Yourself. Okay. <laughs> I told him I, I'll answer any questions you had on his behalf. He was very distraught about not being here. Oh, that's okay. He was. Yeah. Did he deputize you? Are you officially deputized so you can answer the question? Oh, I bet she's getting the taser. He dropped off, he taser. Drop off taser. Um, shirts for my kids. I bet she's getting a taser. That's not fair. Things. She probably got a gun. Oh, I, yeah, I need more than a taser. <laughs> so, right, so, so, well, so, so for Thursday night, Thursday we're going to... Um, so, so Thursday night, who do we have? 615. Yeah, so, 615? Yeah, I texted Heather, 6.15 is probably Capital. a more reasonable time to get here. Parks at EPW. Okay, and if we don't start right at 6.15, that's fine. We have Public Works and Parks on Thursday. <laughs> um, so we'll start at 6.15. Uh, I think we advertise for six, but we'll just we'll just leave it at that, and we'll start whenever we get here we at sixth grade. If we don't, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll start when we can. Yeah. It'll be close to that. Yeah. And we'll be right here in this room. We got uh, I think Parks is first, and then and then DPW. Is the, afterwards? I'm sorry. Is Thursday six, or is that next Tuesday? Thursday. 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 Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This Thursday. So I'll go over this, and if I have any questions, I'll just thing. reach out to you. You, you yeah. and I don't have to do a line by line, page cutting, by page. Only, and then you can walk through the whole something, check it out. I'll look at it tonight. Yeah. We're, we're allowed to bring in if there's a question I have. Budget and finance with us. Then I'll reach out to do you. Have your That's fine. All right. Yeah. Sure. Certainly. What? Yes. Huge Can I say that? What is she want? Thursday binder. Yeah. And then the other thing, the Chesapeake College meeting was was. Unable to go off on April 7th, which was our work session four. So we still have that available uh, for the commissioners for oh, the work session. Yeah. You didn't change the time. Uh, yeah. Some of the other counties yeah, couldn't. You already changed it to six. Well, you got five counties. You got to try to right, coordinate, right? right. I just four. So if there are any other county agencies that you want to see, work on uh, we can either have them come in next you. Tuesday Ooh, or next Thursday if we need that session for any. You know, final. Um, so when when, when is the Chester College thing going to be made up? We have uh, potentially April twenty first, but they're not. They, they're and May the fifth. Have a flat budget. It's the, it's, is it? Yeah, same percentage. So it, the meeting would be at the college, and I think Dr. Coppersmith is going to have a, a dinner meeting. So uh, if you want to check your calendars, I'll let them know April twenty first or May fifth if we have a preference for. All or a but the 21st is out. It would not be the 21st, right? Yeah, 21st is out. 21st is out. May. We, there's, no, no, it was supposed to be April. 7th. No, no, there's another event on the 21st. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, we can. That's the uh, that's Republican Central Committee. Yeah, that's dinner. Yeah, that's dinner. Yeah. So, May, how's May the 5th look? 
That's a Thursday after our budget hearing, so that'd be a long week fifth. of Cinco de Mayo? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thir the fourth is the Cinco de Mayo. Make it <laughs> yes. yes, yes, sir. That's Bill, I don't know. He's got to have his priorities. <laughs> Bill's going to show up in his garb. That was the, that, those were the May the fifth at what time? Uh, they were shooting for around six o'clock, I think. It is Cinco de Mayo, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll clear those dates in the next <laughs> day. Your mom's? Just, this is from Brian. We talk about this every so year, yes. All right. All right. Well, that's all we Body have, Commissioner. So he says we'll see you Thursday yeah. night.